We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, our our next topic, yes. uh, our our anticipated topic for the show was what we learned about Notre Dame this spring, and so as we dive into this off season, and and our shows next week are going to really start taking a look at okay where is where do things stand right now at quarterback, running back, receiver on down the line. Today we're going to kind of talk a little bit about some of that, but more so kind of like what we learned, what are our takeaways from the spring as a whole, not the blue gold right. game only but is the spring as a whole. And I think that's an, an interesting thing because that's important as Notre Dame does look into the portal. I mean, there's going to be – today's the 25th. The portal's open till Friday, correct? Or actually yes. uh, Wait, sun, it, Sunday. What's the last day of the month? Is that It's Sunday? the 30th, so that would be what, a yeah. Sunday? I think so. Yeah. Yes. And so the portal, you can jump in all the way through Sunday. And then now for people to understand, the the, the window right now is not to jump in and then find a school. It's just to jump in. There's yes. no window right now like that for kids to find schools. They have until whenever teams are. You don't, you don't have to make a decision in the next five days. Right. Like you have a little bit of Correct. time as the points. Yes. Correct. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
So that that's part of the conversation. You know, what freshmen need to be developed, what younger players that showed something really need to get a push this summer and into the fall camp. And your roster is going to look a little bit different. You've now had three kids jump in the portal, two of which you had very high hopes for offensively. Uh, another guy that you thought the very least was going to be a good rotation player at linebacker and a really good special teams player in Prince Collie. Yep. I would imagine a couple more guys are going to jump on the portal. I, I just I think that's just the nature of the world we live in. It's not going to be a ton, but there's going to be a couple guys jumping to the portal, in my opinion. It's, it's not going to be Colorado, but it's going to be no, some. it's going to be close to that. It just, <laughs> just, but that's somebody mentioned in the chat too, Ryan. Like this is kind of what happens when you start recruiting more and more talent. Yes, is some kids have the. I mean, Lorenzo Styles left for a lot of reasons. Uh, I have a difference of opinion with with some people on. You know what happened? I put a lot of the blame over the last year on Lorenzo, not not the coaches. I think Lorenzo's attitude was not what it needed to be. But part of it too was he saw the writing on the wall. I'm not passing up number five, and I got number seventeen and number nineteen and number fourteen breathing down my neck. Yes, and you know, and and the coaches seem to like those guys for some reason. Yeah, they have good attitudes. They work so, hard, and they're and they're really good. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. They're talented. So that's kind of what happens, right? I mean, that, that's, that's the nature of the beast and, and with this, the portal, the way that it is, but I don't think they're going to lose a ton of guys, but I don't think this is going to be it. So though all these things are, are going to factor into it, Ryan. So we're, we're going to kind of go big picture offense, then defense, talk about what we've learned, some of the things that we feel good about, some of the things that we're still concerned about. Like what are the, what are the, the questions that got answered this spring, right. Ryan? But also here's the other part. There's no doubt that questions got answered, Ryan, but there's also no doubt that there are still some questions that remain for this football team heading into the offseason. Yeah, and, and that's always the case, I would say, right? Like, I mean, That's true of every Notre Dame team ever, of every team ever. There's going to be questions that you go into the spring that you want answered. Some are going to be thoroughly answered. Some are going to be partially answered, and some are not going to be answered at all. Like, That's just kind of where we are with this, right, Brian? But, I mean, for me, just kind of like an overview, I was – very optimistic leaving this spring, man. I really was because I, I really think that there was a, I don't want to say a new energy because this was the same staff as last year. But from everything that I hear from you guys at practice, just some of the videos and the mic'd up stuff, really seemed loose and just very free with how the team was playing this spring, which I thought was comforts, right? Like that's a second year in a system, more comfortable with practice and what the, what the tempo looks like. I feel like there was a comfort that was kind of, hit in spring that was very positive for me kind of moving forward because we know as team as players understand the expectations better and they play a little bit uh, play a little more free that's when you play faster that's when you play and you are able to really unlock your athleticism and really get to that type of level so I leave the spring very optimistic about this football team because I feel like there is a cohesive understanding of what the expectations are and I felt like this team if nothing else, even through some, you know, some players maybe not having the best spring ever and some natural mistakes that you're going to have during a spring period in general, I felt like this team really competed, man. They competed, they flew around, and I thought they showcased a lot of the athleticism this spring, which is exciting, man. I think that's really yeah. exciting. When we talk about big picture takeaways, Ryan, the first question that you and I posed to ourselves as we prep for the show was, overall, do you feel better about this team now than you did going into the spring? And my answer is yes, and that's good because yes. I had high expectations for this team. There are some questions now that that I did not have 
going into the spring. I'll be honest, and we'll dive into some of those. But a lot more other questions were answered, including some questions I didn't expect to be answered, to be completely honest with you. And so that's obviously a positive. But I think overall, my takeaways from the spring, as you mentioned, this is a very athletic football team. Yes. This is a much deeper football team. Three, four years ago, you lose a guy like Prince Collie, and the and, and it's like the world's on fire. Yeah. You lose a guy like Lorenzo Styles, and you're like, oh my God, we're we're screwed. I'm shocked at how little talk there has been about Lorenzo Styles leaving Notre Dame. Uh, shocked. It's and, crazy, man. It's and crazy. part of it, and I'm I'm okay with it, honestly. Yeah. Uh Ryan, you know a lot of what I know about what led to Lorenzo Styles leaving. And I'm sure. at the point where I'm just like, all right, cool, move on. I'm I'm get that. Get that out, get that gone and, and get ready to move forward. People that want to be here. All good. No disrespect to the kid. It is what it is. Best of luck to you. Go do you. And we're going to keep moving forward. That, that would be my, my take as a coach. But it's also part of that is because, hey, man, I got these three young kids behind you that have great attitudes that are also very talented. And they're working hard and they're doing the things I'm asking them to do. And I have to fight them every day to get them to do what I need to do. That's part of it too, right? Hey, I hate to see Prince go. I, I'm no what I just said about Lorenzo is not how I feel about Prince Collie. I, I've heard nothing but you know I, I didn't like that Prince was telling people for months that he was going to leave and then still planned on going through spring ball. I didn't like that. I think that was a little bit of a young man decision that you know if you don't have the wisdom that I have of life experience because if I was him at that age, I probably would have had the same thought. I'm gonna go in there. And see how it goes, but I'm planning on leaving. That's probably what I would have done at his age. So it's not a fault, just more of a, it's a, I don't even want to say immature decision. That's to say a young man decision. You don't have the wisdom that we have. We've been through the life experiences. I've heard nothing about Prince other than he's a good teammate and works hard and does all those type of things. It just, he, he, he wasn't clicking in the defense. He wasn't clicking with the staff and there were some younger players there. And I just, I just think he wants to go somewhere else. Point yeah. being, no, there are some people that are upset. Oh, he should have started over Maris and all that kind of stuff. And we had that debate all fall last year. But I, I don't. I think most people are, are 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 okay with it, even though they don't want him to leave. They're okay with it because they watched the spring game and they're like, "Yeah, I'd love to have Prince some also." There. But yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. some dudes there behind him. You can weather and the storm at that position. Exactly. Right. That's a great yeah. way of putting it, right? It's not that I'm happy he's gone or okay he's gone or screw him, forget that guy. I'm not saying any of that stuff, but I'm just like, well, it's a bummer he's leaving, but it, they're going to be all right. Yes. <laughs> they're going to be well, all right. With, with how they've been recruiting the position, right. that's one position where right. a, one defection isn't going to sink the ship, if that right. makes sense. And yeah. there are positions on the team now that I would have been much more concerned about an injury happening that I'm not as concerned about now. Exactly. Or even a transfer having I'm not as concerned about now. So that's kind of what my like, take like away. Like if a, if a transfer happened at the safety position, we'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> like we're, Notre Dame already needs a transfer yeah. safety. Like now we're like sound the alarms. We need to get two safeties in the building at least. There needs to be an impact player. Like that's the type of situation where you're like, that's not great. But to right. your point, Brian, linebacker, running back, wide receiver, Lorenzo Styles. like that's another spot where you're just like – yeah, I mean, it stinks to see a talent like Lorenzo Styles go in a vacuum, but also you have recruited wide receiver this past year so well, and you have three guys that have early enrolled lead in Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, and Rico Flores, where you're like, you know what? I think we will, I think we'll be okay here. I think we're going to be okay. Type of conversation. So Ryan, the other part for me is obviously we have got a chance to see new coaches, and and all the new coaches are still incompletes because they've only gone through spring. 
I'll, I'll just kind of quickly say, I, I have to say, I, I am happy with what I've seen so far. Yeah, I do. I like the wrinkles that Jared Parker's brought to the offense. I I think that the the mixing up tempos is something that, and, and part of this is my bias, and we all have this. I, I want them to do certain things that I believe are going to be successful based on not just what I've done as a coach, but more so what I see working elsewhere and what I think needs to work for the talent that Notre Dame has. Because as you and I have argued, Notre Dame's talent is way better than it's been. I believe they have a top five to seven roster. They're absolutely in that conversation, but there's still a couple rosters that are just a better than everybody else. Sure. And there's still some teams that match up in certain positions, even though top to bottom, you may have a better roster. They are so much better than you in these couple important spots that you're going to have a hard time with them, right? That that you say, well, you need to do these things to somewhat negate or neutralize this disadvantage, right? That's that's part of it as well. So there's certain things schematically, um, certain pass concepts, like the double post concept they ran. I was so pumped about that. You know, Ryan, I love double posts. I made a my reputation was built on running double posts as a receivers coach and pass game coordinator. And, you know, so that's a love that concept. They run in sale. They're doing, you know, they're, they're running, you know, curl, they were running like curl flats and stuff, which I, I, I yep. think went out for a while as teams <laughs> did more cover two and cover four. But now as teams are doing more one and three and some of these combo coverages, now there's curl flats coming back again. Because yeah, it's like the, the, that, that 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 hook hole is open yeah, all day now, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you're seeing that cycle back, and they're running that, but they're doing it off like more of a post curl. That's what uh, Matt Salerno got hit on. Yep, uh, from Tyler from uh, uh, Sam Hartman in the Blue Gold game. They're doing more RPOs, which I love. So there's some things I've seen from him so far that I like. I'm pleased. Again, it's 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 part of the evolution. He's not there yet, and I think Jared Parker would tell you that he's not there. He's still learning his team. He's still learning the other coaches. He's still learning. What am I going to be comfortable in? Like, okay, I was in the booth. Is that where I want to be? Do I need to think about being down on the field? I had Gino next to me. That was great. But do we need to get him down on the field? There's all types of conversations still to have that are make us a work in progress. Joe Rudolph in the offensive line. I saw no issues that that were red flags to me this spring from the offensive line, right? That made me think, uh uh-oh, they're taking a step back from, from what they were under Harry Heastan. Yeah. Like, did they did they take a big jump forward? Not really, but I don't know that I expected that. Like how much better can can Joe Walt be and how much can we really learn about them when the only two full open practices we saw were heavy blitz periods. I thought the gold offensive line on Saturday looked great. And they had three of the four they had three of the five ends expected starters on there. And and two guys that were highly ranked recruits and Rocco Spiller and Emil Wagner. And I thought they played really well. The blue offensive line didn't play as well. I, I, th- I think Emil Wagner quietly had a really nice game, man. Really nice game. Yeah. Were yeah. you surprised how well he held up physically on the edge and pass, bro? I was. It, yeah, man. They, I weren't, did, I they did, weren't able to push I didn't even him notice back. him at times. I didn't even yeah. notice him. I'm like, that's the best compliment you can give to an offensive lineman yeah. at times. You're like, I just don't notice you. That's a good thing. Because right. we – Brian, that was the side of – wait, I'm trying to think of what side that was. So the blue side – the, all right, so their defensive, their edge rushers weren't quite as good as the goal teams, right? The goal team was one that had Batelho and Burnham and such. Yeah, right? they, had the Nana, they had Nana. They had now they had like Riley Mills and Jason Onye on the inside. They yeah. had some good guys up the middle, yeah. and they had Junior Two Alamaka on there. But yeah, they they did. I mean, Batelho and Burnham were both on the, on the side goal team, yeah. and then Javante Jean Baptiste was also on the goal team, but he, I don't think he played. I didn't see him play in the game. 
I didn't see him either. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. Jason Onye got uh, – I know we're, we're going off on a tangent here for a second, but he got Billy Shrouth on skates yeah, on one early. play, man. He got him yeah. on skates. Like, now, Billy got him back a couple plays later. Him and <laughs> yeah. Joe Walt did a combo block on Jason that drove him about five yards off the ball. But yeah. that's the battle you want to see. The, the point being, Ryan, and then I really liked what I saw from Gino Gadouli from the quarterbacks. Yes. So, uh, Marty Biagi, I have no clue. We just didn't see a ton. I, I'll say this. I, I, he was He's very active during yeah. special teams drills. He's coaching a lot. And you know what I liked about it? This is the one thing that I can say that I didn't learn about Marty Biagi. What I'm saying is we didn't see them doing kickoff in the game. We didn't see them just punt. Yeah. You know, they, 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 you know, they, they made their only field goal attempt. Great. Good job. I mean, that's with your guy. That's not going to be your starting place. Kicker I was going to say, you don't even, something. you don't even have Spencer Schrader in there. So you right. don't really even know and, and, how he's developing him. And you don't yeah. have, was it Krim? Also Krim. Yeah. Uh, yep. Ben Krim. Ben Krim. So you don't have your starting, most likely your starting punter either. And, but what I liked Ryan is when we're at practices and my wife took several photos of this, cause I thought they were great shots to have, Yep. but that he's over there work. Like there's, he's working with Chancey Stuckey. He's talking to Gino Gadouli. He's talking to these coaches and, and he's teaching them what he wants them to teach, or he's, he's, you know, he's, he's giving them feedback on what they need to be teaching the players because the, the assistant coaches helped her. It's not just one dude teaching everybody. He is telling those guys what they need, just like, you know, the, the offensive coordinator just doesn't coach the whole offense. This is what we're right. doing. Now I need you to go coach the offensive line. I need you to go coach the receivers. It's same thing on special teams. Okay, Chancey, you're working on this. You know, uh, Gino, you're working on this. O'Leary, you're working on this. Mick, you're working on this. Uh, Walsh, you're working on this, right? Bo- Max, you're working on this. And then he's got to coach them up on what he wants. And to see him working with him and, like, showing them and things like that, and then their, their receptiveness to that message I, I impressed me. It yeah. did, you know, because a coordinator's got to coach his coaches, and he was doing that. Now, is that going to result in good special teams? I don't know, but it, th- that part was good to see. I was happy to see that. And he was yeah. a little paranoid during one of the practices. He didn't know we were going to be there the whole time, and he was like, hey, can you <laughs> ask the media not to report what we did, which tells me he un- he he is also a schemer as a special teams guy, which I like. That's I think you need to have that nice balance of, Fundamentals on special teams are of the utmost importance. One lane mistake, one gap mistake, one assignment mistake can be the difference between you tackling a guy for a two-yard punt return or a guy going for 60, right? Kick return, same way. It's important. But Brian Mason was also a great schemer as a special teams guy, especially on punt block. A great schemer. Yeah. People think that it's just the same pump block every no. single time. It's like, nope, they're bringing nope. it from different spots all the nope. time, man. All the time. So that yep. told me something that he's not just a line up and do your job the right way. He's a schemer, and a schemer is a good thing, by the way, for a, a coach. Yes. And and so I, I I liked that as well. He didn't want us to say something that, like not that you know I was beating down the door to come on the show and explain <laughs> to y'all what they were doing on their pump block, you know, or punt return team today. <laughs> Uh, so, but you know, there's that, but anyway, you know, you know somebody would, you know, somebody, yes, would, <laughs> of course, of course, but, um, I, 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 so far so good on, on new coaches. That's, that's what I'll say, yeah. Ryan. I, I mean, my, my, my biggest comment is obviously on Jared Parker. Cause he's the one with, you know, the biggest question mark, you know, we just don't know a lot about him as an offensive coordinator. And Brian, this is more of my observations from the game, right? It's, but. It's a couple of things that I really, really loved. You mentioned a couple of the past concepts, but I loved 
the implementation of RPO, man. They were running it all day in the blue gold game. I'm like, okay, this is different. I like this, man. Options. Options are always a great thing. But then the other thing, I don't know how you felt about this, but it wasn't a no huddle, like frantic pace, but there was more pace on offense in this game, which I thought was very interesting. Like it was very much like good play. Let's get back up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go type of thing. Again, not a rushed pace, just good pace, you know, and and those things, I mean, as a defensive, a former defensive player and a defensive coach, you hate when offenses play with pace consistently, man. Like you hate it. You're just like, can I just get a second to think here? (laughs) Can I get a second to breathe here? So I like the pace. I like the implementation of RPO. Again, how much, I don't think it was a fair assessment of Joe Rudolph for one, you know, because again, you know, we don't get a full access type of conversation, but I thought it was very optimistic that in the game you did see some guys play pretty well you know like you mentioned Billy Shroud had had a bad rep early but he really settled in and had a really nice game for the most part Emil Wagner showed a lot of growth I didn't really expect to see too much out of Blake Fisher in this in this spring just in general Brian because we know that he's kind of reshaping his body a little bit I mean he's down to 310 pounds so he's not really Blake that we're used to right so I don't think that was a perfect conversation or perfect I guess sample size of what Joe Rudolph can do as a head coach I mean as a offensive line coach but I was very optimistic for what I saw from Jared Parker Gino Gadouli I mean again I'm working off of your eyes on this one right Brian but sounds like the quarterbacks showed a lot of improvement in the spring right and I think in you know again speculation on my part a little bit but I have to think that having a quarterback coach that is just a quarterback coach a guy to be there every single day to work on the process from on field to in the meeting room and everywhere in between. Gotta love the, gotta love the, just the the presence of him, right? The presence I think is a big thing for me. So again, it's not a huge sample size to work off of. There's still a lot of questions or a lot of things that we'll be watching this off season and into fall camp, but of the new hires, I was happy. I was optimistic about mm-hmm. what they can accomplish in Notre Dame. I really was. Yeah. So you jump into the next part of it, Ryan, and, and we'll talk about the offense. Let's dive into the offense. And number one, we talked a little bit about the scheme, some of the things we saw the scheme. I think this is going to be a much more aggressive vertical pass game, yes. which is important to a degree. However, you can't just only add downfield passing. You have to also then say, okay, if we're going to be more vertically oriented in how we attack, that is the lowest. That is the lowest efficiency play in football. A pass beyond twenty, you know, twenty-five, thirty yards, right? Because I don't count twenty-yard passes are all the same. A twenty-yard post curl is a gonna have a whole lot different completion rate. A twenty-yard in, a twenty-yard sail, yeah. any kind of sail is going to have a lower completion rate than a go, a post, you know, a, a deep corner, you know, off a solo action. It's just the nature of throwing the ball further down the field. The less accurate or the lower the completion percentage is going to be so what's built then to then build up efficiency in other areas you know more screen game more rpo game so i think that balance is important if they were just chucking the ball deeper a lot more that'd be nice but it wouldn't it would it would make me a little nervous okay so you're going to find yourselves in a bunch of second and tens and third nines if you're not hitting those that is that no but it's like okay we can take a shot on first and 10 because we can go run the ball on second and 10 and with our rpo game have some options where if they play the run, we're, we're pulling and throwing that sucker. Or if they're playing out because we're in a passing alignment, we can run it. And because of how good our run game is, 
we can pop a six, seven yard run on second down and 10 because yep. we took that shot on first and 10. So that, that level of efficiency is important. And I think they've done things to create more efficiency. We saw them throw a ton. I've had people say to me, and I don't know where they're getting it from. Like, you know, are you concerned that all they did was throw hitches and curls? And I'm like, no, I'm not at all because a, they didn't throw hitches. I saw them throw like two hitches and a hitch is not the same as an option. There's two completely different routes. A hitch has you hitch up or you go. That's it. An option is you can hitch you can, or you can stop. You can work in, you can work out, you can nod and go, you can convert to a vertical it's an option route. That's a that's a great route to run in today's college football, yes. because how it adjusts is going to how it how you break it off is going to be determined by is it man, is it zone, is oh, it inside leverage, zone, outside man. leverage. Love options, you know, and love that's it. what Jaden Osbury caught a ton on. You know what that? Well, I just throw a bunch of hitches. Yeah, exactly. That's freaking great. What that you means mean, they're going to be. You mean Jaden Greenhouse found the soft spot of zone? Yeah, wow, what a right. concept. And they were just get stealing 8, 9, 10, 11 yards every time? Gee, that's terrible. No, that's Ugh. great. That's what you yes. needed in offense. That's that's Ohio State, it's, it's hilarious because I'm watching Ohio State and I'm watching USC, and especially Ohio State. Ohio State throws a million passes less than 10 yards, like yep. a million. They throw the ball deep rarely. They do, they just do. They just don't throw the ball. I shouldn't say rarely. That's an That's an exaggeration. They don't throw the ball deep as as much as most teams. You said Ohio State. Ohio about? State. I mean, they, highly, they did. It's not quite as much over the last couple of years, but I mean, they made a living for a long time just off of mesh. Like they were just. But mesh that's my all point. Day. Yeah, they run a ton of ten yard and short routes. Yeah, because they're highly efficient. It's it's pick. It's take it. It's take it. It's take it. It's take it. And then as you then start coming down, freaking Jaden Greathouse is killing me with these option routes. We got to adjust. Because we yes. can't get them off the field. So what do you do? You bring that safety down. You do something different. And what am I doing? I'm countering. I'm countering with a shot over your head. Yeah, That's what I'm countering with. You know? And so it's a good – that's a good thing. So to see the built-in efficiency with the more aggressiveness is something that I was very happy to see. And I think it's needed in the offense. And I don't know that you could have done it last year. Ryan, it, yeah. you couldn't have thrown a lot of those routes last year because every team had like eight, nine guys up near the line of scrimmage. And you you need a quarterback to take the top off the defense in that situation. And Notre Dame didn't have that last year. They oh. have that now. So the scheme is also being dictated by the fact that you have a quarterback that allows you to do those things. Yeah. And so you're wisely doing them. So I was very pleased with what we saw with some of the those new adjustments and wrinkles we saw in the offensive spring, Ryan. Well, from p- passing option perspective too, Brian, it was really nice because I mean, how many times in that game did you see Sam Hartman come to come back to the backside on something? Like I, th- I, th- I think of was it the Davis Sherwood in cuts was one, yeah, right? backside was, in cut, yeah. There was one by Salerno. Oh, backside um, I curl. think it was just a curl. It's, yeah. It was a post curl. It's post curl. Yeah, yeah. post curl. So it was really nice because I've seen way too many college offense where it's like. They read half field, right? So on the one half of the field, they're running something nice, but backside, these dudes are just lollygagging and not really running routes. You saw kind of that. It's not a. It's not necessarily a full field progression with how they're running it, but it was Sam Hartman's reading front side. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm going to come to the backside on the post curl yeah. or the well, in cut type of conversation. I want to ask you if you saw it this way too, Ryan. I, I made yeah. the point in the post game show. He threw those blind. Now, yes. what we mean by that is not that he just threw it and didn't know it was coming, but he just he turns back as he started to throw because he knows what's going to be there. Right. And then as he gets it in his peripheral, then he snaps it off and he's banging it, which it meant the safety didn't have time. 
if Sam Hartman looks and finds Davis Sherwood, then throws the ball, DJ Brown either knocks it up or p- knocks it out or picks it off. Yes. One of those two. And same thing with Salerno. The defense would close it up. The fact that he says, okay, this isn't there. I see this now. Mike linebackers in my peripherals. So you know what that Mike linebacker's not doing? Playing the backside in cut. So I'm exactly. turning. I'm cocking. I'm ready to throw. Here he comes. Boom. Let's well, get it done. Well, why do you run RPO so much, right, Brian? It's fine where, where the defender isn't, right? That's right. kind of where the conversation comes right. to. It's the same thing. It's like if Sam's looking front side and he sees the, the let's say there's a mid-hole defender that's cheating over or there's an overhand that's cheating over or a, just a middle linebacker that's cheating, obviously there's going to be less backside, right? There's less defenders backside. There's going to be an opportunity to hit a one-on-one opportunity or just an open soft spot in the zone, which we saw a couple times. I'll, I'll tell you what too, Brian. Davis Sherwood, man, that was a great catch, by the way, working through contact, man, because he got smoked as soon as he caught that football in between two players. And he, I, mean, I thought it was a yeah. great play through contact. It man. was really nice. It was. So I was, I was really happy to see that there was a lot of attention to detail on the backside of route combinations. I think that's going to matter tremendously. I also like that, even though it didn't work in this game very well, you know, the couple times we saw it, but I saw a jet sweep, I saw an end around. I saw a little diversity in the run game. We still saw duo. We still saw inside zone. But like I felt like we saw more eye candy in run game, which I think is going to be very beneficial. I, it's what do you be mean by that? Movements. Pre-snap yeah. movement, post-snap movement. Like I just See, thought there was so much more movement, yeah. man. I, I wouldn't say more. I thought we saw it continue. I thought last year Tommy Reese ran a ton of pre-snap movement. I mean, especially the Clemson game. I mean, they had somebody going somewhere every single time. Yeah, you know, with the Jets and different things, but um, but what we did see, Ryan, is is a lot of that was out of twelve last year. We saw a lot of stuff with the Jets and things like that, which we saw in the bowl game. It was a building on what we saw in the bowl game. So I, I'm, I'm happy with what I saw. Let Let's talk about the talent on offense. Yes, I think just overall, as we kind of look at the positions, kind of let's actually let's let's put a couple of these together, Ryan. Okay, let's because because we had to go that first segment let's combine a couple things instead of sure going talent and then that kind of thing just we'll, we'll combine some of these three these two of these things it's like what we, what we feel good about and sort of just the talent and i'll say this there's still questions about receiver we'll get into those here in a little bit sure but the talent is significantly better than it was a year ago the freshmen are as good as advertised in my opinion yes, they are Yes, they are. Tobias Merriweather took the step needed this spring. Now there's another step needed this summer and then another step needed in the fall, but he took the step he needed to take in the spring. Deion Colsey took a step, not as much as I want to see. There's more I need to see from him. But again, it was a forward step. And you running back, you, you, you saw Logan Diggs was out most of the spring. Jadarian Price is out the whole spring. Chris Tyree was playing running back, which adds something really unique to the receiver room. And all of a sudden, up in comes Jabron Payne. And he looks the part. I mean, you, what you saw in the blue gold game, Ryan, is is what we've seen from him all spring. Great yeah. feet, great vision, patience. He's got that real st- sturdy lower half that he can run with authority when he needs to. And you say, man, this this running back room is pretty good. And I'll I'll say this: late in the spring, now we didn't see with our own eyes. We saw a little bit of it, but I thought Rocco did some nice things in the last scrimmage. We saw. I talked about this at the time. I said, look. Rocco looked really good, like in in the phone booth. Yeah, they were throwing some crazy blitzes at him, and there were times when he just he just didn't have that foot quickness to get over. But I thought in the spring game, I thought Rocco played really well, 
and yep. moved one. Some of his best blocks were working off of t- twists and stunts. You know, he opened up that big hole on, you know, Meal had a great kickout block on Junior Tuelamaka, or not a base block, I should say. It wasn't a kickout block. It was a base block, but he was kicking him out. And then you've got Zeke and Rocco working together on a combo, and Rocco steps down, but he keeps his shoulders square. The linebacker crashes, hit the wrong gap, but Rocco came off quickly, smashes him, seals him inside, and just opens up that run lane for Jabron Payne. I thought Rocco had a good game. I thought Emil had a good game. So in some areas, interior especially, I like the depth is a lot better than I thought it might be this spring. Like Meaning we knew that some guys had some ability, but we saw Rocco Spindler start to flash that ability. We saw right. Emil Wagner, like if he can do this at 278, he gets up to 285, 290, continues improving his technique. May, he might be good because that's always been the big question with Emil. Can he play it that way? Well, for the spring game, he certainly did. Do I think Emil's ready to be a 12-game starter right now? No. He needs to still add a little bit more onto that. But he showed me, a, like, okay, but he can he can move people. Yes. Even at 278. He showed he can anchor in pass pro and not get driven back the way that we see Tosh Baker getting driven back at over 300 pounds because he just plays with no – he doesn't play with any kind of – pad level he just doesn't base, play with any yeah. kind of base yeah. yeah and so we saw emil show the ability to do that that's a positive sign so i think overall talent wise i'm very happy with the strides that we saw the skill players make and the interior guys make ashton craig looked okay he's probably still a year away but he's got a chance to be a player here yeah and sam pendleton he's probably a year away at least based on the spring but he showed me some ability. I love the depth at this on this team now, with the exception of some health issues, which we'll get to, and now quarterback. You know, quarterback now becomes a depth question mark with the departure of Tyler Buckner. Those are some of my takeaways, Ryan. The biggest one being this team, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily a really fast offensive football team. I don't think you need to be. I think they're a very athletic offensive very football athletic. team. Yeah, and that's a difference. A six foot guy needs to be fast. A six four, six five guy needs to be athletic, and there's a difference. And I think this is a very athletic team. But the guys that need the speed have it. Chris Tyree can run. Yeah, Braylon James can run. Rico's faster than I thought he was. Those guys can run, and the bigger kids are athletic. And I'm very pleased with where they are now. Not finished product, Ryan, but I didn't expect them to be by April 25th. That's a big takeaway for me on offense this spring. Uh, It's massive, man, because, Brian, I I don't think it's hyperbolic either. This spring, we have heard at different times, both from intel that you've gathered and practices you were at, we've heard just about every wide receiver at different points this spring – get named as a guy that is really showing a lot, right? Either in the upside that they have or just tangibly, like they're having really good days, like they're stacking them, right? We've heard Braylon James's name. We've heard Jaden Greathouse's name. We've heard Rico Flores's name. Jaden Thomas is kind of the known commodity, but then Jaden Thomas goes out in the blue goal game and balls out, right? Like we see that. We've heard Deion Colsey in spurts. We've heard Tobias Merriweather a ton in this spring. And then you heard, Late in the spring, after Chris Tyree made the full switch to wide receiver, that Chris Tyree's balling out. And then you saw a little bit of it in the blue gold game as well. You saw a couple flashes of that. So, I mean, 
I can't remember the last time Notre Dame has had this much depth at wide receiver. I can't remember it. I really legitimately, I could look at this roster right now and say, if you are a starting, let's just say the starting three is Jane Thomas, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey. There could be a situation where your wide receiver seven is someone like Braylon James for interest for conversation's sake, Rico Flores, someone like that. Cause even a guy that, for a lot part of the spring, you actually heard a little bit more, I felt like, in, in spots about Braylon James and Rico Flores Jr. for a little bit in certain spots. You didn't hear as much about Great House. And then what does Great House do during the game? Oh, just a casual 11 catches for 118 yards, leads all wide receivers. The depth that this team has created at wide receiver, and, and again, this is a hats off to the staff, and Chancey Stuckey, of course, with being able to acquire this talent and be able to really – replenish and get three players to early enroll into this team that look like they can all play man in some type of role right like it looks like Jane Greenhouse can play it looks like Regal Flores can play this year if you need him to it looks like Braylon James could play this year in a certain role if you need him to play so the depth of this wide receiver group is silly man it's silly and you're even working with from a running back position Logan Diggs obviously didn't play during the later stages but of the, we know of the who spring. He is. We know exactly. what Logan can do. We know what he is. And then Audrey Gessamay, you saw just sporadically throughout the spring game because, again, you know who he is. Jabron Payne being a big find this spring, Brian, that is monumental in my opinion because now you're going to say Jadarian Price gets that back healthy in the running back room and Jeremiah Love comes in in June. That, I mean, your, your running back room is five deep of guys that I think legitimately – play for you in 2023 and contribute if you need them to wide receiver room you're talking about seven eight deep of guys that can play man and can be legitimate contributors it's crazy it's crazy the depth that they've been able to get now one of the things that we're going to discuss in this in this show ryan is also questions that remain receiver is in that situation where they are a strength in the ways we talked about talented deep and all that there's still a question mark however because there's still another level that this room needs to get to and there are certain players that got to step up. Not and so, person. like, with Tobias, for example, Tobias took a big jump this spring. Yep. But there's still another level he needs to get to if he's going to be the dude or one of the dudes, right? Like, right now, the only guy that I know for sure what he's going to be in the fall is Jaden Thomas. That's it. Dion showed us some things, but we still see a little bit of an up and down a little bit from Dion, right? I think some, I think some people make too much of it, in my opinion. But I need to see Dion continue to take those positive steps forward in the weight room, on the, on the as a route runner, as a you know competing for the football. Like the interception, I was not. I mean, that was not on him. That they had no chance to get to Jaden Mickey. Jaden Mickey was like two feet in front of him because the ball was thrown <laughs> on the line because the head coach told the quarterback it was covered two when it wasn't covered two, and he's trying to throw a hole throw. And you don't make that throw that way if you think the corner's there. And so I'm uh, not banging the coach. That stuff happens, man. We've all done that in practice. It just that, yeah. it, you know, you, you tell the coach against, hey, this against that coverage, you're going to put, you're going to put it far, far outside. Or you're going to go somewhere else. Further out there. Right. Or yeah, you're going right. to go somewhere else. Right. And, and we've all done that as a coach as well. The point being, there still are question marks about how good they're going to actually be from a production standpoint. Jaden Greathouse had a great end of the spring. It's still a spring game. Right. I mean, we have to say that because we can't say, hey, y'all, don't overreact to kids that have bad games in the spring game and then say Jaden Greathouse is going to catch 90 balls next year because of what (laughs) he did in the spring game. Right. 
Now, it was a great way to finish, but now there's yes. another level for Jaden Greathouse to get to and for Braylon and Rico. Okay, you had a good spring, but now you're going to stay focused over the summer. You're going to keep – are you going to keep building? So there's still you got to do it on level. Saturdays. Right. Like, exactly. So there's yeah. still a lot to prove for this group, but the talent is there, and that's that's a lot better place uh, to be in that, yes. in that place, in my opinion. And, I, and I'm – um, I like where they are now, but understand yeah. that now is not the finished product that you need to be by the time you get to the last Saturday of August. It, it's just so refreshing, though, Brian, because I remember back to Tony Jones against Georgia where he's the only healthy running back really in that game. I will, I remember last year, this time last year, we're talking about four to five healthy wide receivers in the spring. So, I mean, just the replenishment of talent at those positions is – Really nice to see. And then also, it's like playing darts, right? The more throws you have at a dartboard, the more opportunity you have to hit a bullseye. And the more talent you have in a room, the more opportunity you have to develop some dudes and to get the most out of them and to find a couple high-level producers. So I'm just sitting here and I'm just excited because as a Notre Dame fan and a person that's watched this team over the years, there have been years we've all been there where it's like, man, that running back room is very thin. One 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 injury there, and that is a terrible room. Wide receiver last year in the spring, Brian. Like we're one injury away from being like, can you get through a practice with this wide receiver room right now? Like, can you do it? And it, so, yes, the talent is there, but to your point, still unproven. A lot of it. Tobias has one career catch. De- what is I, I think? How does Dion have twelve career catches? Right or something like that? He's got like twelve or 13. 16. 13. Thirteen. Okay. Yeah. He's got 13 career catches. something as a freshman, and then nine for like 192 last year. Gotcha. So, I mean, the starting outside receivers potentially for Notre Dame next year that we're all so excited about, and me as well, Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather, they have 14 career catches coming into the season. Like, that's a fact, right? So, until you do it on Saturdays consistently, it's still going to be an unknown. It's still going to be a question mark, but certainly there's a lot of talent in the room. Like, no one can question that. I think I think another part of it too, Ryan, is <clears throat> some of the questions that have, have risen. Some of them are good. I actually think I hope that the staff sits down with, with Rocco Spindler and says because I actually heard from some sources that Rocco finished the spring off much better, and it, the the, the blue gold game wasn't a one off, right? My hope is the staff sits down with Rocco and says, "Hey, man, you keep doing what you did at the end of the spring, this summer, and in the fall camp, you're you're gonna have a shot to play." Whether sure. that's starting or being part of some kind of rotation, which where he's going to play, because that was a really good sign for me. I don't think guards as settled as it was a couple weeks ago. If Rocco continues to improve like that, because he he looked like a kid that can play at Notre Dame on Saturday, and it's really yeah the first time I've ever really said that and seen that, and that's a good sign. And it was on top of things that I had been told from some sources that he was getting better and he was starting to show it. His footwork was getting better. I think that that his relationship with the new coaches is a little bit better than the one that that he replaced. It's just part of life. Not every coach is going to click with every player, and not every player is going to click with every coach. So I'm hoping that Rocco feels invigorated to go out there and battle this spring because I, I think if if Rocco can build on what he did this spring, all of a sudden the guard depth chart looks much better than we yes. anticipated. Yep. And and now because because one of the questions coming out of spring, however is I'm very concerned about the tackle depth right now behind the yes. starters. Cause I, and what I mean by that is if a meal has to go into a game right now and get you out of a game, he showed me on Saturday, he can do that. Yep. If, if, a, if a guy gets hurt 
in a game and, and Emil needs to get you out of that game and start the next one, I think you're going to be okay. I don't think Emil is physically ready just yet to be a 10, 11, 12 game starter yet. Right, right. And yeah. now I feel much better about the future at tackle, at least in that one spot, whether he be a right or a left guy. You know, I'm curious as to why he's only playing right right now. I'm very curious about that. My thought is people have asked me about this. Why, why do you think he's doing that? My thought is this that right now, this is just Brian Driscoll giving his opinion. I think right now the expe- expectation is Joe Walt's gone after this year. And I mean, Ryan, you're a draft. I would imagine yeah. the buzz you're hearing about him is he's probably. If he keeps building on what he's doing, he's probably a top 10 pick next year. He's probably the number one tackle off the board next year. He he hits everything that you want, man. He's going to be a multi-year starter at Notre Dame. He's going to be near six foot eight, 300 plus pounds. He's going to test well. He's got the the NFL lineage with his dad right. as a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. Like it's just him for a year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's got everything working for so him. So then what happens? Then you slide Blake over to left. And then Emil steps in at right. I think because it makes sense why Blake is right. reshaping his body a little bit. Correct. Yeah. Well, and I yes, and I think too is well, why wouldn't you have him working at left? Because if Joe goes down, and it's for an extended period of time, and Emil's your next best tackle, you're not putting Emil at left tackle. You're going to put Blake at left tackle if Joe's going to be out for an extended period of time, and then Emil steps in at right tackle. If it works out and your starters are healthy, then Next year in 2024, Blake slides over to left tackle. And if Emil's that guy, he slides in at right tackle. That's why I think Emil's working at right tackle right now. That's just my opinion. And, and it makes sense in my so opinion. Traje- that's the trajectory you really want. I mean, right. you want the like that right tackle position kind of becomes the right. You're you're the left tackle and waiting type of right. slide, right? And it's like if Joe yeah. goes down in the middle of a game and you need to get out of a game, you're gonna put Tosh in there at left tackle, who's more experienced. Right. So I think that's kind of where they're at right now in that position. So it makes sense why you're seeing Emil a right tackle. If that's if I if my read of the situation is accurate. Yes. I think that makes the most sense. I mean, what behind a meal of what yeah. we saw this spring, Ryan, yes. I'm a little concerned. Tosh Baker did not take the jump I'd hoped he would take. He struggled in the two practices we saw. I thought he struggled in the blue gold game. I mean, more than you'd expect the guy who's a you know, he's going into a senior year now, right? I mean, he was 20, he was a 20 kid. So 20, 21, 22, and now he's going into a senior year. I just expect him to be better yep. than he is right now. And he just, he doesn't move people the way that I want. He does. He's put on weight. He's needed to put on weight. And I don't think he's carried it as well. Meaning he he hasn't met, kept the athleticism that I thought he had as well, with the extra weight, which yep. is why we always say, you never know how a kid's going to carry that extra weight. I, I'm concerned about it. Having said that, I like what I saw from Rocco. I think Pat Coogan can get you out of a game. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, be a full-time guy. I like what I saw from Ashton Craig. Yep. There's enough there at guard. Sam Pendleton's got a lot of promise to where I don't feel that the need, there's going to be the need that we thought there might be. And, and, and I'm not mentioning Eric Christoffer because he's in Billy Shrop. They're the, they're the guys that are the expected starters right now, as of right now. Yep. I don't think there's the same need that there was before to put Charles Jagasaw at guard and let him battle this spring or this fall. Now, if Charles gets there and he's just too good to play, not to play, then you can move him if you need to. But now with Rocco, Rocco emerging and some of these other younger guys at guard emerging, you feel pretty good about, we can now start grooming Charles to be a tackle. The next guy. Because we think that's what he, his future, his best, you know, where, where we, what we recruited him to play 
now all of a sudden you feel better about the tackle position. So the interior guys continue to improve and coming out of spring better than maybe we thought going in. Cause there was a lot of guys we knew were going to be in the battle, but how many of them are going to really do anything? It's a lot of question marks, a lot of names, a lot of bodies, but a lot of question marks. And maybe Charles Jagasaw allows you to move Ty Chan inside because I just don't think Ty Chan's a tackle. And I didn't think he was a cha- tackle based off his high school film. And I definitely didn't think he was a tackle based on what we saw from him in practices. And then, of course, he got hurt late in the spring. So I think he yeah. should move inside and, and help provide depth there. But Emil stepping up helps with that. And then now you can keep ja- – you can you don't have to worry about moving Charles Jagasaw, which I think is an important piece to that as well. So the guard – the guard improvement, I feel a lot better about guard than I did going in. Yeah. Has now makes me feel a little bit better about tackle because tackle is still a little bit of a question mark behind the starters. A meal spring makes me feel better, but now it's like, okay, now you can get Jagasaw going at tackle because you feel better about the, the guard. Because what we saw from the spring, tackle is a question mark, in my opinion. Yeah. But I- it could be good moving forward if, if uh, the interior guys continue to progress that way. I'm interested to see how Notre Dame handles because obviously you're going to welcome four offensive linemen in in during the June period, right? You're going to not only Jagasaw, but Sullivan Absher will be obviously coming in, Christopher Tarek and Joe Otting. I'm curious, Brian, if because we know that the original plan was Sullivan Absher to get a long look at tackle. I'm curious if they still envision that or if he's going to be a guy that's going to move somewhat early on in his career. I, I just don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing there a little bit. But to your point of – there's depth inside, and you're about to get more of it, right? Like, I mean, Joe Wadi's not going to play for you in 2023, but that's another body inside, a talented body. Christopher Tarek's going to come in. Maybe Sullivan Absher obviously joins that group. And, again, you know, maybe Charles Jackson is just too good not to get on the field in 2023. Regardless, though, that helps your depth overall. I have similar concerns, though, because, I mean, worst-case scenario, Brian, is that God forbid something happens to one of your tackles, someone's pressed, and then it's like, man, after that, it's like slim pickings behind those guys, man. Like you are one more injury away from being in a little bit of chaos. I mean, I think it would be similar, but not the same as, I mean, remember in, what was it? 20, was it 2020 when, well, no, 2021, excuse me, when there was kind of that revolving door at left tackle because Blake got hurt. And then you saw Michael Carmody have to play over there a little bit. You saw, you know, obviously eventually you got to Joe Walt. You saw Tosh Baker at some points. So like it just kind of became a little bit of a revolving door. But the great thing about Notre Dame is there's always going to be talent in that room, man. As long as Joe Rudolph develops, I think you're going to be okay. But this just comes back to the importance of Notre Dame in 2024 for the, for future, right? Not talking about 2023 as much, to really get a couple more offensive tackle types in the 2024 class because you're going to need to keep your plunge in that group because there just haven't been enough offensive tackles in that building recently but i think the already has a chance to figure that out with some of the depth that they've been able to create this spring last one for me ryan tight end and running back health is is a, is got to be something we have to be willing to look at tight ends a big there's, one for me there's a big lot one. of talent and i think running back has to be there too because now this is the second spring where logan Diggs has dealt with injuries and jadarian price we still don't know where he's going to be we have not seen him back on a football field practicing yet we still don't know if he's going to be healthy this spring and Jabron Payne is a kid who's been healthy at Notre Dame, but was not healthy his last two years of high school. Yeah. I think we have to be willing to say running back's loaded right now, but health is going to be a, a bit of a question mark for there. And tight end's the other one, right? Like yes. you, you obviously know where Eli Raritan is. Kevin Bauman's constantly hurt. And 
now you see Mitchell Evans get hurt. Now we don't know the extent of what happened to Mitchell. I didn't, I didn't hear Marcus Freeman talk about that after the game. I don't think, I don't know if anyone asked him about that. We, we probably should have. I hope it's nothing major, but it just, it's just, there's enough dings going on there that just make me a little bit concerned because there's a lot of talent in that room. You like to be able to use the tight ends. You want to be able to mix up your personnel. We talked before about how you can overcome losing Lorenzo because of the freshmen, but also because you've got running backs and tight ends that can play. Well, a lot of those guys are hurt right now. Yes. And I think that's a little bit of a, 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 a you know, puzzle, concerning area as we head into the offseason. Most of these guys should be okay, but it's just there's enough that's kind of like Mitchell Evans' injury history, as long as it's nothing major. Like, I don't know what he did. His his injury history, say, well, you know, but he, he missed last spring too. With an injury, and then he couldn't finish this spring. That's a concern, you know. And and so you have to be honest about those things. And so I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about that. Now, of course, they're going to get Jeremiah Love's going to enroll this summer, which is going to help. They're going to get yep. Cooper Flanagan this summer, which is going to help. I think those are both guys that have a chance to help in as freshmen if the need is there, especially yep. especially Jeremiah Love. But again, what I've always said, around, I don't care how good a freshman is. I never, ever, 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 ever want to play a freshman because I have to. Michael Mayer played as a freshman, not because he had to. He played as a freshman because right. he was that good. They had Tommy Trumbull and Brock Wright. They were fine and at 1-2 in tight end. But Michael Mayer just was better. Robert Hainsey played as a true freshman, not because Tommy Kramer was not good or had a bad year you know, or offseason at right tackle. He played as a true freshman because he was just too good not to play. So Coach Eastan found a way to get him on the field. And then we've seen other times, like when Kurt Heinish and Myron Tungvaloa Mosa played as a freshman when they shouldn't have. They and thank to. goodness yeah. for the COVID eligibility that allowed Kurt to get to a fifth year, because I think that fifth year was huge for Kurt, getting him to that next level. But he would have lost that otherwise because they had to play him. They had to play Myron. Again, fortunately, Myron got actually Myron got a year back because of an injury anyway, but Kurt never did because Kurt answered the bell every week. But you don't want to have to play freshmen because you have to. You want to play them because they're ready, right? And and because they're just that good. And right now, it, we got to find see guys who can get healthy because right now, based on where the depth chart is right this second, you'd have to play Jeremiah Love and you'd have to play Cooper Flanagan because. You your only healthy tight ends right as of today are Holden Stace, Holden Stace David and, and David Sherwood. That's, That's it. it. You had Brian flashing back to the blue goal game. You had six tight ends that were not available due to some type of injury, and then you had four running backs that were also not available in that football game. Right. So you're absolutely right. I mean, tight end. I'm worried about tight end a little bit, folks, and it's not because of what I think that Notre Dame is going to get out of tight end. Because if Mitchell Evans is healthy, I think Mitchell Evans is going to be a good football player. Hold Stace, I'm very high on. I think that Hold Stace is going to be a very good key contributor to Notre Dame in 2023. And people know that follow the recruiting side. I also like Cooper Flanagan. I think that Cooper Flanagan could come in day one with his background and he could contribute as a blocker for Notre Dame. I actually, I truly believe that. I think that he's big enough and he's technically sound enough to contribute or at least battle as a blocker from day one. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're starting to accumulate a room of tight ends where there's just a lot of injury history all around it, man. It's just kind of where you are. I mean, you mentioned Mitchell Evans, Brian. Like that's more like nagging stuff to a degree, right? That's not like a serious injury, like a Cooper, like a um, excuse me, like a yeah. Eli Raritan. I don't instance. know. That's the thing is, yeah. I don't know what his injury was. Right. 
Uh, I don't know if if it was just like you know he twisted his ankle. He would have been precautionary. Like for all I know, yeah. I he could have played on Saturday if it was like a real game. I, I don't I, something I don't know. Right, but it's just one of those things where if it was just this, I wouldn't be worried about it. If you told me I just sprained his ankle, no big deal. Right, but it's that plus the fact that he missed last spring with an injury. Yeah. Yep. That and oh. and then I, and what what do we know? What's the known commodity? Eli Raritan has two back to back ACL tears. That's that's a fact. You can't get around that. Kevin Bauman has always been injured during his Notre Dame career. Those are the facts, right? So those those injuries are really starting to accumulate. I mean, even. Cooper Flanagan toughed it out this year, Brian, but even he was working through a high ankle sprain most of his senior year. I mean, there's injuries that have just been on the table at tight end that just make me, you know, I mean, you're an injury, another injury away from being like, man, we might need to go to the portal just out of necessity here. Like this is like that situation that you're in. And then running back, again, I think running back will end up being fine. But again, until you're able to answer the bell and know what the depth is 100%, there's going to be some question as far as attrition because running back is another spot too that injuries happen all the time at running back, man. That's why why do running backs only play five to seven years in the NFL? It's because bodies break down quick, man. It's just it, it is what it is, right? So I think that you really need to get through this offseason healthy. You need to get healthy in certain spots and you need to maintain those rooms because I think that both those rooms are going to be are going to be good to very good if they're healthy. But we can't just sit here and be like, oh, no, I'm not worried at all about the tight end depth. I mean, we literally just had a blue and gold game where there were two scholarship tight ends. One was a former walk-on in David Sherwood, and then we had a walk-on that was going both ways at points. Like three healthy tight ends in a game, that's not where you want to be, obviously. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.